Good morning. We are uh, celebrating our ministry in Cuba by uh, in the next uh, month or so. Uh, we have been prevented by with COVID because of COVID from traveling to Cuba to preach the gospel. And so we want to uh, this morning to uh, celebrate our relationship with uh, Bishop Ricardo Pereira and uh, to know and let him know that uh, we're after two years of absence from Cuba, we are returning there. And I hope that you'll be able to join us on our trip in November. We have 20 seats available only. And I'm looking forward to see that uh, the gospel is preached and the churches are blessed. I'm, we're considering Hebrews chapter 5. Now Hebrews chapter 5 he spends most of the time until verse 10 dealing with the person of Melchizedek. And he talks about that Melchizedek, it is a, uh, an order, is made up of, uh, of honor in persons that represented God throughout history in the foundations of the world. Melchizedek becomes then Christ. From Adam uh, to Shem, and of course, uh, several others, all the way uh, to to Melchizedek and Jesus being the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so he's saying to them that Christ is bigger than Melchizedek. Christ is bigger, more important uh, than than uh, Moses, more more important than uh, angels. And so as you as you begin to see that he's elevating Christ at a high rate of, of posture, mobility, strength, and power. And so let me read to you then uh, Hebrews 5, 11, which is 11, 12, 13, and 14. We're going to deal with four verses this morning. And I want you to open your Bible. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that those that are tuning in, all over this nation, Lord. Be able to understand what I'm going to say. Be able to reason and balance with what I'm going to say. Be able to comprehend that which the Holy Spirit of God has given me to share with them today. I ask you, God, that uh, you empower them to take their position, their posture, as someone that will receive and not doubt and not fear, but in faith move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 11, we have much to say about this. And he is referring about call of God, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. And of course, it's not a Levitical order. It, it's not, uh, uh, per se, uh, ironic after Aaron's order. It is an order instituted by God. And so, uh, and he says, well, we have much to say about this. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now remember that the book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrews. It's written to people that were Christian Jews. And so they were out of the law into the grace of God, understanding Jesus as the high priest and uh, understanding the new role of the high priest as opposed to Caiaphas. It's just a very difficult thing to understand. But at the same time, Paul noticed it, or the writer of Hebrews noticed it, that you no longer try to understand. You, you, 
you're backing off to your concept of the law and you're forgetting the grace of God, the work of the cross. Jesus died on the cross, rising from the dead, ascended into heaven, which is what we're going to celebrate in Easter. You're forgetting about those things. Your heart is just not able to understand. And I know that some of you perhaps have not grasped it yet. You perhaps don't understand yet. And I'm not saying that I understand all of it. What I'm saying is, this is what the lesson today is. The writer of Hebrew telling the, the, the Christian Jews, you know, because you no longer try to understand. It's hard to make it clear to you. I don't know what I can say. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. So it simply means there's a time in when the writer of Hebrews ministered, Paul or anybody else, or Luke ministered to them, and by that time they should understand. They should comprehend. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. Uh, it's just so difficult because uh, by this time you should comprehend it. But you have not achieved it. You're still slow to, to grow and develop. And, and, I, and, and, and the writer is simply saying, i got to talk about this with you. You probably say to me, well, Rick, you are actually someone that is saying that you understand it all. You comprehend it. No, I don't comprehend it all. I don't understand it all. I'm just reading the scripture to you, and I'm trying to make a point here. And the point is this, is this that at the age of seven, 78 years old, B, I should by now comprehend much more than I sure to comprehend. Now, there's another scripture that balances with this, okay? Because you know, and it says, Paul says, you know them by their fruits. And so, I might not understand, but I want you to know, I, I might not be a good Methodist, I want you to know. I might not be a good Christian, I want you to know. I, I am a sinner saved by grace, I want you to know. I am a, a child of God, I want you to know. But I do have fruits. Lots of it. I'm talking about thousands and upon thousands upon thousands of people who've been through this ministry in the last 55 years and been set free, delivered, healed, baptized with the Holy Spirit, empowered to serve God. And so, that I can say. Now, it's, it doesn't say that I comprehend at all. But by Paul says, you know them by their fruits, and I'm one of them. Amen? Now, you probably, probably say, well, Rick, you're boasting. Uh, you are just boasting. You're just, you're pride. No, no, not really. It's not me. God, through me, did a lot of things. And that's the only thing I can live on, I can depend on, and I can trust in God that, uh, that He'll forgive my sins and give me a hope and a chance to finish this ministry well. And so, let's read it again. We have much to say about this, about Melchizedek. But it's hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. You're going sort of old in your concept of growth. And uh, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, uh, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. And, and of course, the writer is simply saying, man, I'm tired of you. You know, you just, you just don't get it, do you? Okay? And then Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews says, you need milk, not solid food. Now, let me say this to you. You can be in a church 
for 10 years. And when you still don't understand the work of the cross, something is wrong with that church. You by now, after being a Christian for 10 years, should understand that uh, when the Holy Spirit has come, He'll convict the world of sin because they do not know me. Convict the world of, 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 of righteousness because I go to my Father, you'll see me no more. Convict the world of judgment for the ruler of this world, Satan, is already judged. I mean, you, you have to arrive to the third posture of the Holy Spirit that takes authority over that which is already taken authority by the cross and by the death and resurrection of Christ. If you don't understand that, then where have you been all these ten years? And so, and so, it is vital to us, and it is uh, proper to look at this chapter 5, verse 11, 12, and 13th, and 14th, and do a little chewing here together this morning. Amen? Okay, now, let's take a look. You need milk, not solid food. In other words, you can't digest. <laughs> you know, uh, I went to have supper. Uh, lunch yesterday with uh, John Walker and Cindy Walker in Monroe, Georgia. I don't know if you know them, but Cindy is our uh, secretary here in the office, and we love her and love John Walker. He's a pastor of St. Stephen's United Methodist Church in Monroe, Georgia. And we love him and love his ministry and support him. Uh, and, of course, you know, the time came to order food. And uh, John ordered a big, nice filet mignon steak. And, of course, you know, at my age, I can't eat red meat all the time, you know, and I was going to just get uh, salmon. But it looked too puny, you know. You don't compare a piece of beef with salmon, okay? First, the salmon comes from a fish about this big. The, the, the beef comes <laughs> from a cow about this big. I mean, even the size is very... And I had to end up eating uh, to compete with uh, John... Uh, uh, pork chop and uh, and so I was thinking life has changed a lot you know, and I am a person that likes to eat a glass of milk I mean I just eat a glass of milk before going to bed if I have a cookie that's what I have I have a little cookie and a glass of milk and I'm done for the day it's just just a habit for the night it's a habit okay just a nice uh, a nice a nice uh, cup of milk but in terms of spiritual sense, I cannot give milk to people. I've got to offer them something deeper. We've been studying the book of Hebrews, and for, for a period of two or three months, we studied 15, 30 minutes on, on the book of Hebrews and all the offerings, I mean, uh, Leviticus, all the offerings that was, that was important, understanding the work of the cross. And so milk, in spiritual terms, is, 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 is weak discipling. You don't have it. You can't give it. There's no fruits. Anyone who lives on milk, verse 13, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Anyone who lives on milk. Now, it's not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. You don't know nothing about it. And so you live a condemned life. You live a life that is simply uh, uh, just, you know, just you, you hold so hard on yourself. You don't quite allow the cross and the work of the cross, what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, 
removing all our sins upon Him and rising from the dead and giving you eternal life. You can't get there because you're no good. You look at the past as if somehow you're dealing with the present. And so, and so, and so Paul, Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings of righteousness. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature. What is the mature? Those who have fruits. You see, it doesn't say, Paul can't just put all his thought thinking together. But what he's saying is, when you are mature, you are able to do a lot of things. What are you able to do, you ask me? Well, let's finish. But solid food is for the mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. By constant use. That's the King James. By constant use have trained themselves. So the idea here is that you're in the Word all the time and is if you are in the Word you grow and mature, you have fruits and you can detect what is evil and what is good. One of the gifts that he's talking about here is, is the gift of discernment, a revelation gift. There are three gifts, Word of Knowledge, Word of Wisdom, Discerning of Spirits. Without discerning of spirit, you can't find evil, period. You don't discern nothing about evil and you don't know what's good in Him. So let's take a look at this scripture now. From, a, from an application point of view. So what is it that Paul is referring to? What is that he's saying? He's simply saying that spiritual stagnation is dangerous. Spiritual life is sustained by solid food, of sound doctrine. It is protected by the spiritual and ethical discernment, which is the fruit of ever-deepening knowledge and constant exercise of faith. Constant exercise of faith causes you to ethically discern, spiritually discern life. You don't have that, you're blind as a door. Now you probably this morning say, Rick, but uh, you're telling me that I am a, a milk person. No, I'm not saying that. If you've, been, if you've been under my ministry for the last 50 years, you've got to be having a lot of fruits. I don't know anybody who attend Rekindle the Flame Conference, who attend these Bible studies in the morning, which is all over the United States, who are part of our ministry and all our mission trips. We've been to Cuba 15 times. We've been to Brazil a hundred times. We've been to uh, Peru now, going to a second time. We've been to Israel. So, By the way, just a, 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 let me put a parenthesis here and give you a little bit of a... a, a information on, on, on what's going to happen in February 2023. We're going to Corinth, we're going to Ephesus, we're going to the seven churches of, of Revelations, and then we're going to the Lake of Galilee, and then we're going to Jerusalem, and a 14-day trip. And I hope that you join us. If you are, make sure you make your reservation right away. Close for instance. Let's go back to Scripture. Now, who are these people that Paul is referring to here as Christian? They were Christian Jews who have believed, but, not, but were not mature in their faith. Constantly doubting the Word, arguing between themselves, 
being ugly to each other. It's just like people, the Jewish nation leaving uh, Egypt and coming into the Median Desert and 90% of them died because of unbelief. And so constantly doubting the Word. Interpreting the Word according to their understanding of the law. Now, how can you interpret the Word? If there are fruits, it's good Word. If there's no fruits, it's bad Word. Jewish Christians were dull of hearing. They cannot comprehend. You know, it's kind of interesting. We, uh, about the United Methodist Church, we believe in Pentecost, but that's about it. It's like another Wednesday night supper. There's no depth. And, and the funny thing is that they persecute, harass, belittle, called all kinds of words, those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And so, <clears throat> these are sad days. These are sad days in the, in the church. And, uh, and I'm the one who's sad. And, and, and so, Jewish Christians who are dull of hearing. Methodist people who are dull of hearing. Same thing. The gospel is expressed by the Holy Spirit. When the gifts are greater than the rhetoric. The fruits dictate who you are in Christ. And so faith in this sense that he's talking about is basically very important. You live by faith. You, you preach by faith. You struggle by faith. You, 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 you wake up by faith. You go to bed by faith. You, you, you do ministry by faith. <coughs> Now Paul says, without faith it's impossible to please God. In Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible. And so, what Paul is saying here on verse 11, is of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. They were slow, sluggish. They couldn't quite comprehend it. It makes it difficult to teach them, because they wouldn't retain the word. Now, second, about faith is faith is active, activated by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> First Corinthians twelve seven. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to every man for the profit of all, but it has to be activated by faith. Revelation is activated by faith. You just move forward in what you're saying, and God continues and, and makes it grow. It's not something you do and try to rhetoric and try to gain your attention, is that the Holy Spirit does it. So in the name of Jesus, you be set free from that mental state of rebellion and receive the gospel this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Number three, therefore I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And so, in order for us to understand faith, you have to accept the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit propels you to believe. The Holy Spirit propels you forward to receive. Amen? Okay. And number four. Faith impossible. Without faith impossible to please God. Faith activates revelation. Three. There's no way to say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's what they're having problems with. They couldn't understand the ministry of Jesus, the, the high priest, 
the Melchizedek of the spiritual order of Melchizedek. They couldn't grasp that. In Hebrews, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, it says, You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute items. It's interesting that uh, Hebrews was written in the year 64 after Christ. Year 64 after Christ. 1 Corinthians was 59 after Christ. Uh, 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 1 Corinthians is written first. In Hebrews, is written four years later. So when you begin to look at 1 Corinthians, <coughs> you begin to see the dull mind. You begin to see why they struggle to believe. Okay? Now let's take a look at, at Hebrews 5.12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Paul is saying, my goodness, I've been with you this long, share with you, and you don't get it. You don't comprehend it. Now, it was a common belief in those days that a mature person should be able to teach someone else. You see, you're talking about the, the core of the gospel coming out of the Jewish community and the house uh, of, of, uh, uh, of the of Gentiles. Chapter 9, chapter 10 of Acts. Teachers here does not mean specialized professional instructors. For this reason, it may be more natural to use a verbal expression like, by this time you should be teaching other people. Meaning, that if the gospel that you receive is impregnated by the Holy Spirit, the person grows, 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 normal growth in development. In discipling, in healing. Salvation is not a 40 year process. You know, I heard a young man coming out of the Methodist Church in Athens, and he spoke that morning to the congregation. We're going to be together for many, many years, 40, 50 years. Why is it taking so long for them to grow and develop and, 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 and take the nations, the gospel to the nations? Because he never grew but this much. The one who's supposed to be mature is drinking milk and giving his milk to others. He's the milkman. He's the milkman. Gospel according to what I believe, where I've been, where I am, and, and you all have to follow me. You know, uh, uh, <clears throat> if you go to, to, uh, to Brazil and you get into the country where there's a lot of um, brush and, and a lot of Sipo, uh, which is a, you know, the cord that that that, uh, that that man jumped on and held it and moved from the other and jump again and get the other. That's called sipo. Uh, uh, the jungle in Brazil is so thick you can't get through. You have to cut your way in it. And uh, uh, sometimes what I remember the most. Is, is that you, got, you get caught inside of that and you need somebody to get you out of there. You don't go anywhere. You just, you know, in other words, you know the bus is right here, but you have to go way down there to get out in order to do it. You see, I don't want to follow a preacher who is a milkman who don't know where he's going. Caught in the, tr tr the, the, the bush, the thick of the bush, 
and, uh, and giving me milk every Sunday. Hallelujah. Are you under the milkman? Are you under a milkman? It seems that the time of discipleship is government, is oriented by those who teach. And the time they follow the rituals of this discipline and, and, and growth and maturity, people die, people change churches, people marry, people move. And so life takes over. And you make decisions as the blind man does, where I'm going today. As the milkman says, I just don't have nothing to give but a glass of milk. I've heard sermons that are so empty of the word that makes you feel like they swallow the gospel and they can't throw it out because it don't come out. And you see where we are today. Look at where we are. The liberals want to help the homosexual, but the first thing they do is to bring them without conviction of sin. You sold the ki- you sold the kitchen, brother. We have attempted to teach the gospel without allowing the Holy Spirit to participate, and that is the dumbest thing you ever do. I hear that all the time. Milk will not carry a Christian. Milk will not bless. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. You say, Rick, but, 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 but it, oh, it helps. Listen, I'm an evangelist. I've been through hell. You're talking about 240 mission trips. You're talking about sleeping on hard floors. You're talking about bleeding to death sometimes. You're talking about getting corroded by by whatever that wasn't that bad that almost took my whole arm red full of bites. You're talking about eating horrible food. You're talking about having stomachache right during you preach because you ate a meal that is contaminated by whatever. You're talking about traveling without ceasing for 50 years. You're talking about getting on a plane and jumping and hollering that makes you make peace with God, go to the bathroom and be saved all over again. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I can tell you that much. I have the responsibility of the Word in me to give it to you. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, constant use, constant use, like today, like every single morning from 9 to 12 in the Word, have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. We're training. We're working it out. I'm talking about Bible in hand, thumping it, looking at it. Now, the severity of this warning, which is a warning, and the gravity of this situation contemplated must not be discussed without considering Scripture. Scripture is not silent regarding hopeless condition of those that having been numbered among God's people, profess faith in Christ, receive instruction in the Word of God, experience some measure of blessings of the Holy Spirit ministry in the reality of the unseen world, then deliberately repudiate Christ's lordship and salvation. 
You can't. I don't care if you sin or not. That, that is what I'm saying to you. You need to overcome sin. And as you overcome, you move it again. You might not, you might sin again, but you, you overcome also. A mature Christian overcomes sin and gains eternity. Look at Matthew 12:30, saying the same thing in a different way. It says this, Whosoever is not with me is against me. Whosoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slender can be forgiven. Every kind of sin and slender can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. There'll be a lot of Methodist preachers in hell. They have repudiated, persecuted, harassed people like me. I don't want to be nice with you. Because you are open to the gifts, open to the work, open to ministry, open to constantly staying in the Word and growing in the Word of God. But in these days, you've got to be careful you go to church. Anyone who speaks a word against a son of man will be forgiven. You can, you can cuss Jesus all you want to. You'll be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, neither in this age or the age to come. And so this idea of milk becomes a serious business. This idea of milk becomes a serious business. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. What I'm saying is, when you curse the Holy Spirit, you better, might as well close your ministry. That, that's a sin that cannot be forgiven. Bless the Lord. Be blessed today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go to Cuba. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver. alba brilha em mim. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver. 